on these three lives. Welcome, listeners, to the 46th chapter of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the QAnon Iran episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Fields, and Travis View. What an episode we have for you today. We'll be kicking off by examining QAnon's claims that Obama cut a secret deal with Iran to help them nuclearize. Then, Travis will get into the Iranian opposition group Restart, which is led by an exiled game show host living in Anaheim and, of course, has connections to QAnon. When we're done with that, our very own Zach Rokotansky had a conversation with a freelance reporter. This intrepid journalist uncovered the sinister truth behind our incredibly stupid podcast, and we've got it all on tape. Following this, we will dive into our first missive from Annie Kelly, our new UK correspondent. She's a doctoral researcher looking at digital anti-feminism and the far right, and her first segment will examine Nigel Farage, InfoWars' favorite leader of the Brexit party. Finally, Jake has brought us a thrilling tale of violence and intrigue that threatens to blow the lid right off Liam Neeson's Persian language skills. But before all that... QAnon News. First up, um, after the longest absence yet, Q returns with low-effort posts. Uh, Q left followers dangling in the wind for a full month, but finally on June 27th, Q came back with a couple of very short posts. The first one just said this. Be ready, Q. Despite the fact that it says nothing of interest, the QAnon community was very, very excited about it. And this is really getting sad, you know, man. This is like when when you have like a friend you used to be really close with, but they get their own family or something. They don't start texting you as often. And like when they do text you, it's really short. It's sort of vague. It's like... um, We used to have something. You used to have something. But now you're just like, you're just uh, so distant, Q. Yeah, <laughs> this reads like a, a post-it note, literally. Yeah, it's like it's like it's nothing. like what you put. It's like what you put on like your teenage son's door to be like, "We're leaving at eight thirty for Big Bear Lake tomorrow morning." Okay, <laughs> be ready, next dad. To the, next to the fucking like yellow warning sign yeah. that says no farting. Second up, I had, I thought this was a funny story. Uh, QAnon believers see clues in Adam Sandler movie on Netflix. Damn! So someone's watching that shit. <laughs> So QAnon followers have been been, uh, decoding the Adam Sandler movie Murder Mystery on Netflix. Uh, They're particularly interested in the appearance of the letter Q throughout the movie, mostly on pillows and on robes. However, that Q only appears because the film includes a fictional billionaire character named Malcolm Quince. And the Q is monogrammed on some items in the movie. But like the people were tweeting about this, be like, oh, Q, Adam Sandler. They're like yeah. preparing the public, you know, for the Q disclosure or yeah. some shit. On I, one side, they love it because this guy's from New Jersey. On the other side, it's very confusing that he's also Jewish. Yeah, right. So it's yeah. a mixed bag with Adam. <laughs> and finally, for my third story, universally beloved podcast QAnon Anonymous reports hacking attempts. Uh, the QAnon Anonymous podcast, best known for its intellectually discerning and physically attractive listenership, <laughs> reports that it has been the subject of a hacking campaign. And this, this is absolutely true. For example, I received uh, a two-factor authentication text message because someone was trying to log into my Google account, so I had to update my password there. Fuck. And uh, I also received a uh, password reset verification emails for my Twitter account, even though I wasn't attempting to uh, update my password. Uh, we also received an email from a fake Michael Avenatti, uh, and like, and of course, and someone who was uh, pretending to be a journalist. I think, I think, uh, Julian, you can speak more to 
what happened after those incidents? Yeah, I spoke to our intern, Zach Rokitansky. Mm. Uh, he also goes by Jack sometimes. It's unclear. But uh, he did give me uh, his entire conversation, logs of his entire conversation. And honestly, we'll be playing them today just to uh, just like a security check. We're going to need the audience also to write in about this one and tell us like, you know, what do you think this guy has on us and how can we protect ourselves? Mm-hmm. Like we need some help here because we're not specialists. I, uh, I feel a little left out, to be honest. I, nobody no. has tried to infiltrate any of my accounts and I am arguably the easiest one to target. All you have to do, all you have to do is say, you know, yeah. new new open world MMO, yeah. uh, early access. Please click link yeah. for free download. But you don't have twelve thousand followers like me and and uh, and Travis do. Well, uh, yeah. me well. through the me through my unnamed you know main yeah. account. That's I think, true. I think yeah, we we kind of like irritate the the yeah. community a little bit more. So we're we're, we're fatter targets. Yeah. yeah, we're chafing them, dude. For me, yes. they're not quite sure if I'm a true believer or not yet. Still. Well, you heard it out there. That's the weakest link so if you want to attack us <laughs> given that given up our uh, yeah. our security weak weak spots we have our mentally fragile cousin uh <laughs> jake <laughs> rocket Hansky, mm-hmm. not to be confused with zach and jack who both exist yeah <laughs> um yeah also uh, worth mentioning is that the the real michael avenatti on twitter got mad at the uh, QAnon anonymous twitter account uh-huh. after he posted an image of the email we received yeah. from the fake avenatti which is Real great. You know, we received an email from Mr. Avenatti. Uh, he said he was representing Brian Krasenstein and, and you know, he wanted an apology, a retraction, uh, saying that he'd debate us in, in, in Vegas, confusingly enough. But then the real Michael Avenatti, after we posted a screen cap of that, came up in our comments and said, this is bogus. I reported this email days ago as being bogus. You got played and fell for it. Now, what does he mean? That's reported it harsh. days ago. Did he? I mean, to, to the to, to the president. But how did he know? <laughs> but how did Avenatti know yeah. that somebody sent a fake email from him to us? Oh no, no, no! Because it's been happening. I, I got in touch with some of our friends, uh, Jordan Yule, uh, uh, um, Mr. Uh, Ken Krasenstein, and uh, Mr. Jared Holt, and uh, they all confirmed that these emails have been going out to oh, okay. to all Mockingbird people and deep state uh, associated journalists. And uh, now we're going to turn to our. Uh, reporter in the field, Jake Rokotansky. Thanks, Travis. I'm here inside Reddit where the community, <laughs> the Donald, uh, one of President Donald Trump's uh, biggest online support communities, has been quarantined. The news came a couple of days ago when users logged in and found that they could not see their beloved community anywhere on Reddit search engine. Uh, After being quarantined, thousands of users uh, flooded the uh, popular message board to declare their uh, support for the Donald uh, and the right to free speech, even though most admitted that they do not support President Trump. Yeah, by speech, it's more like text on a meme. Yes. Yeah, that's what they want freedom to continue to do. (laughs) Uh, The funniest thing, oddly enough, is that they got banned for, uh, or they got quarantined supposedly for uh, making disparaging remarks about uh, law enforcement. And, uh, you know, no, I I heard that they they were banned because they um, snapped their necks trying to suck their own dicks. (laughs) Is that not? Too many people were getting hurt. Yeah. (laughs) No, they, uh, they, no, they were. Some some a couple users had made comments about the uh, law enforcement officials that were uh, dragging um, what was it like Vermont senators back to vote or Oregon or Oregon Oregon. Oregon. 
And uh, it's funny because uh, anybody who has uh, glanced uh, inside the Donald will see that they are the most pro-law enforcement. Well, we have to adapt to the new world. Uh, the Donald is now ACAB, and that's it. We're <laughs> fucking done, dude. Yeah. Of all the things that you could quarantine them for, it's it's so funny. It just kind of adds fuel to their own fire because they're like, man, this, this, anybody who comes here, they know this is bullshit. We're, we're so pro-law enforcement. Coincidentally, uh, r slash communism is also quarantined. And uh, if you're looking for some exceptionally spicy memes, I highly recommend it. Fair. (laughs) Iran and QAnon and the Restart Movement with Travis View. In QAnon world, the current state of U.S.-Iran relations is connected to the so-called Uranium One scandal, North Korea, and Obama. So uh, Obama apparently made a secret corrupt deal with Iran. Um, this was discussed in an early November 1st, 2017 Q drop. And I'll, I'll just say this was when Q was kind of finding his voice. It's, mm. it's a little bit different than the Q drops we got used to. Uh, here's what that Q drop said. Would it blow your mind if I told you Barack Obama had been to North Korea and perhaps there now? Why did his administration do little to slow their nuclear and missile capabilities? Who feeds North Korea with strategic intel? Iran? What deal was done with Iran under Barack Obama? Why was the deal sealed under a top secret classification? Why wasn't Congress notified? Why, after Barack Obama left office, all of a sudden North Korea has nukes and the tech to miniaturize (laughs) for payload delivery within the U.S.? What about NSA, CIA, DI, etc., all confirming tech won't be in place for five plus years? Statements made in 2016. (laughs) Why is all of this relevant and what does it tell you? Big picture is rare. Like a good steak. Yeah. Yeah, I love Bloody. (laughs) <laughs> I think this is the only time Q has said, would it blow your mind? You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like, the- He's like, what if I told you that I'm really Ted Theodore Logan? <laughs> <laughs> so the implication here is that Obama struck a deal with Iran that allowed them to expand their nuclear uh, capabilities. And then Iran shared their missile technology with North Korea, which is why in 2017 they developed an ICBM that might possibly be able to reach the United States. Uh, this is supposedly part of the shocking crimes that Obama committed that will be revealed during the Great Awakening. Of course. Now, obviously, despite what that Q drop says, Obama has never been to North Korea. There was obviously no evidence that Obama made some sort of top secret deal with Iran that somehow led to Iran and the North Korea getting more advanced nuclear weapon technology. In fact, the Obama administration famously signed the Iran nuclear deal, formerly known as the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. That deal offered Tehran billions of dollars in sanctions relief in exchange for agreeing to curb its nuclear program. That deal was mostly celebrated by the international community, but received some criticism for failing to address Iran's state-sponsored terrorism. Defying key U.S. allies, Trump pulled out of the deal in May 2018 and has since reimposed sanctions on Iran. Uh, the only real kernel of truth in that conspiracy theory is that Iran and North Korea do some work together. Uh, uh, according to the Congressional Research Service, quote, there is no evidence that uh, Iran and North Korea have engaged in nuclear-rated trade or cooperation with each other, although ballistic missile technology cooperation between the two is significant and meaningful. Significant and meaningful? Both significant and meaningful. What I love is that the United States can like openly sell like fucking (laughs) nuclear weapons and like giant planes and bombs and to everyone everywhere. And then it's like, 
these two are talking about ballistic <laughs> missiles. It's like, what, what, yeah. what are you? Yeah. The, come on now. Q has also said that the Uranium One deal somehow supplied nuclear material to both uh, North Korea and Iran, which uh, doesn't even make any sense, with, even within QAnon world. Like, I'm not going to get into all the d- details of the so-called Uranium One scandal, but in their confused version of events, this consisted of Hillary Clinton selling U.S. uranium supplies to Russia. And I don't know how exactly this uranium got from Russia to Iran. They just literally never explained that. And, yeah. And the, the crazy thing about the QAnon, this is a good example, is that is that sometimes their conspiracy theories don't aren't even like internally consistent. I mean, mm. it's like it's like if you're if you're going to believe something that batshit insane, then like cool, fine, have yeah, fun. But find a but, find but, an internal but, logic. Yeah, exactly. I, I really I turn to QAnon for the stories, the wild stories, and the stories aren't fun if you aren't even like internally making any if sense. If you keep letting fucking Travis down, he's yeah, gonna really. come down on your come community. On. So hard, dude. He will quarantine every single one of you. Q, like Donald Trump, often brings up the so-called $1.7 billion in cash that was sent to Iran. For example, check out this February 18th, 2018 Q drop that opens with a Trump tweet. Never gotten over the fact that Obama was able to send $1.7 billion in cash to Iran and nobody in Congress, the FBI, or Justice Department Called for an investigation. Reread crumbs. What is the reason this is being brought back up? There is a purpose for every tweet and crumb dropped. Follow the money. Future proofs past. The Great Awakening. No escape. No deals. Just a plan. Happy Sunday. <laughs> this is a great. It, it turns into a fucking like. It turns into like a boomer fucking like Instagram post at the end. Like it's like it's like. Happy Sunday. I've included a picture of my eggs Benedict. Grateful for this family. I also have included the ingredients listed on the menu of the eggs Benedict I ordered at this special brunch spot. <laughs> Hashtag love my life. Hashtag blessed. That whole story about. The Obama administration sending $1.7 billion to Iran deserves some context. Um, that amount was a debt owed to Iran, which was uh, which bought military equipment from the U.S. that it just never received uh, because relations ruptured when the Shah was overthrown in 1979. And that payment was actually the end result of decades of negotiations. So what happened was that in uh, November of 1979, Iran's revolutionary government took 52 Americans hostage at the uh, U.S. embassy, and uh, the U.S. severed diplomatic relations with Tehran. But they sent in Ben Affleck to save them. (laughs) We got to get these people out. (laughs) In retaliation, Washington froze $12 billion in Iranian assets. Uh, the hostage crisis was resolved in 1981 at a conference in Algiers, and the U.S. returned $3 billion to Iran, with more funds going either to pay creditors or into escrow. The two nations also established a tribunal at The Hague called the Iran-United States Claims Tribunal to settle claims both leveled by each government against each other, U.S. citizens versus Iran, and vice versa. So it's designed to go both ways, just to settle our debts. See, but this is the New World Order. But Trump walking into the DMZ is fucking revolutionary, man, because there's a picture. (laughs) The major issue between the two governments was... $400 million in a a payment for military equipment uh, made by the government of the Shah of Iran prior to the 1979 uprising that toppled him. 
the U.S. banned delivery of the jets and other weapons amid the hostage crisis, but kept the $400 million advance payment. Classic. Um, so this went through basically lots and lots of negotiations and international mm. legal nonsense. And then by 2015, the issue stood before a panel of nine judges, including uh, three independent jurists, who were reportedly near a decision on a binding arbitration. Uh, according to Obama administration officials, the U.S. was concerned that the uh, tribunal would mandate an award somewhere between four and ten billion dollars. Oh, the U.S. was going to lose in a fair court of law, and so <laughs> they did another thing instead. Yeah. So instead, uh, the U.S. <laughs> negotiators convinced Iran to move the dispute from arbitration to a private settlement. So the two sides reached an agreement in uh, mid-2015, around the same time that the U.S.-Iran reached a comprehensive pact on curtailing Iran's development of nuclear weapons. Uh, the financial deal called for the U.S. to refund $1.7 billion to Tehran, consisting of the original $400 million uh, uh, for the military equipment, plus $1.3 billion in interest. <sighs> Amazing. That's a lot of interest. You've yeah, really crunched your numbers, Travis. You know, <laughs> I got to give it to you. But wait, think about it this way. 1.7. Take away the point. 17. What is the 17th oh letter God. in the alphabet? Q. It, it all ties back to Need Q. Need I say anything more? Damn. It's it's right there. It's hidden right. once again before our eyes. These people on the are podcast. Stupid. Your hard-earned Patreon dollars are going to live, real-time decodings. Baking. That's yeah. right. Basically, that whole one point seven billion dollars thing was part of a commitment that the U.S. made decades ago, and it's actually billions of dollars less than the U.S. government might have otherwise returned to Iran. It's like it's one of those things where they take this really super complex geopolitical event and they just flatten it to. Obama gave $1.7 billion to, uh, to Iran. Right. Yes, but we all know the U.S. is MRA, and so they want to eliminate alimony. So they're fucking <laughs> sick of this nagging wife, Iran, that keeps wanting more money for the goddamn two to three giant weapon kids that they decided to have <laughs> together. <laughs> On March 8th, 2018, Q implied that Trump had made a secret deal with North Korea that solved all of their issues over there, and that Iran would be next. Uh, this caused an HNN to remark, a tougher nut to crack, Qutin. I hope your negotiations with Mahmoud are going well. That's a reference to Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, the former president of Iran. But uh, Mahmoud left office in 2013, so I'm not sure what negotiations would be held with him. Now he's just like a lefty Twitter personality. Yeah, now he just has a <laughs> weird, incredible Twitter account. Yeah. He's yeah. literally like, yeah, he's weird Twitter, <laughs> and uh, he's borderline tanky. <laughs> so uh, here is how Q responded to that. Resolved by 11-11, Q. Now, obviously, as evidenced by the recent escalating tensions between Iran and the United States, I don't think it's accurate to say that all of the issues over there were resolved before November 11th, 2018. But, but Travis, don't you realize <laughs> they were resolved on 11-11 and they're pretending yes, to resolve it months later. Yeah, this is yeah, this is a key a key component of QAnon. Nothing you see is real. You're Everything's watching fake. a movie. You're yeah, watching, watching a movie. movie. Yeah. This isn't happening. This isn't happening. This You're is... forgetting that full-on war is a type of resolution. <laughs> oh, Jesus. In uh, June 27th, 2018 Q drop Q reaffirmed its commitment to the people of Iran and called for regime change. <laughs> um, here's what it said. 
<laughs> so the best ev- the best evidence yet that Q is somebody working inside the government. Q, Q is uh, John Bolton's uh, <laughs> nephew. We stand with the good people of Iran who are currently battling their installed regime for freedom. True rule. The people have the power. Rise up and demand they be removed. At some point, military generals will act with the will of the people simply because their soldiers are those same people and have no choice. We stand with you. We are monitoring the situation closely. Stay safe. God bless. Q. This is very accurate because, as we all know, generals and the army would never go against the will of a person in any (laughs) country in the world. This has not been a pattern. And also... I really do love how much uh, Q people uh, enjoy coups. They just want everyone, always want the military to overthrow the government in almost all countries. I wonder what that's consistent with as a belief system. (laughs) (laughs) Just want daddy to take over again. In the most recent Q drop about Iran, uh, there is a picture of a man holding a handmade paper sign. Um, This was a picture that was taken from Twitter. The sign says, hashtag restart MIGA, that's M-I-G-A, MAGA plus MIGA, hashtag QAnon. So, yeah, there's a man. Uh, MAGA plus MIGOS equals a pretty cool concert. MIGA stands for Make Iran Great Again. Oh, I'm so stupid. I didn't figure that out. So, and the photograph is probably real, even though it's insane, absurd that someone in Iran would be promoting QAnon. Um, because the man in the photo is promoting an uh, Iranian opposition movement called Restart. Mm-hmm. And uh, Restart is this really unusual populist movement created by an exiled game show host named Syed Mohammed Hosseini. Hosseini, from 1994 to 2010, uh, worked with the Islamic Republic of Iran Broadcasting Company as the host of a game show called Simorg. On the show, he asked contestants to perform silly stunts in exchange for prizes. Uh, After leaving Iran, he continued to be involved in the production of satirical programs, but he slowly became a militant opponent of the Islamic Republic before launching Restart. So this is like if Pat Robertson exiled Trump and Trump had to start MAGA from abroad. (laughs) This is like if Pat Sajak was like exiled to like, you know, Guatemala. And then he, <laughs> more oh. believe, more believable, actually. America's funniest home videos used to be funny. Now it's not a joke anymore. <laughs> yeah, now it's just weird execution videos. <laughs> <laughs> now Sayed Mohammed Hosseini lives in exile in Anaheim, California. <laughs> Mighty Ducks! It's nestled deep uh, in the newly opened Star Wars Galaxy's <laughs> Edge. You can, <laughs> you, you can find him. You can find him in the canteen at Orat Vot. <laughs> and in beautiful Anaheim, California, he asks his followers in Iran to commit acts of destructive civil disobedience. Uh, since 2016, Hosseini has been broadcasting messages uh, to the people of Iran through Telegram, Instagram, and other social media platforms. He also occasionally appears on Infowars. Of course, he does. <laughs> The connecting glue of mental <laughs> sanity. Hey, 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 I like game shows quite a bit. Come on down. Tell me what you know. Uh, like all opposition groups, uh, the restart movement wants regime change in Iran. 
uh, Iran has no shortage of opposition groups who want to topple the Islamic Republic and its supreme leader, Ali Khamenei. The largest opposition group is probably the Socialist and Islamic People's Muhajadeen Organization of Iran. But there are also secular Republican groups and ethnic separatist organizations, and they're all bent on overthrowing the Iranian regime and placing it with what they think will be a, a better system. But this one, it's a sort of a smaller one, Restart, says that it seeks to build this very secular state and unite the nation under a Persian cultural identity. Uh, they want to change the name of the country from Iran uh, to Persia. Uh, they also say they want to establish what they call the Cyrus Empire after the 6th century BC King Cyrus the Great, who founded the first Persian Empire. Uh, Hosseini has a great deal of respect for the American Revolutionary War and has said that he wants another 1776 in Iran. Mm-hmm. In trying to find information about what Restart wants for this new regime they envision, I wasn't able to find a lot of concrete information. Like, it's mostly a lot of, like, populist, inspirational stuff, you know, bringing power back to the people, that kind of uh, sort of talk. And they talk a lot about how much they respect ancient philosophers like Rumi and Aristotle. All the images that you showed me that they create for their movement looks like um, those posters for uh, Mexican country singers, you know? It's yeah, just like, right. uh, yeah, this Very weekend, colorful, like, exciting. these three guys will be at the, <laughs> at the concert. Yeah. In fact, uh, the Restart website, they have a page called Restart Goals that I tried to like when I'm trying to find more yeah. information about them, but it has just five bullet points. Literally, it's like, oh my God, that's it. And they aren't fleshed out at all. So I can't tell you what they mean precisely, but here are the five things that they say they want. <laughs> this was written by a six year old. Right. You got to be fucking kidding Number me. Number one, changing the regime of Iran. Okay. Goes without saying. Sure. Yep. <laughs> two, building the country right from the foundation. Really super vague. It's like a shitty marketing call. Right. <laughs> where they He's like, well, we're going to bomb the place, then we're going to rebuild from the ashes. Got, got it. Number three, they say they want not getting involved in any fake protest. Not, mm. again, I can't tell you what that means. It was not yeah. fleshed out at all. He's like, we promise you no false flags. Guaranteed. <laughs> uh, number four, this is a, sort of a QAnon sounding thing. They want handing over 2,500 of those traitors and murderers to the Cyrus Empire's independent judge. And uh, their last demand is making Russians and the British leave Iran for good. Now that I can get behind. Hallelujah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the publication Iran Wire ran an article headlined, Could the Restart Revolution Threaten Iran's Civil Society Movements? Next up on Iran Wirecutter... The 10 best smart fridges this year's CES. In that article, one restarter named Ali Reza said that he believed restart wasn't really a belief system as much as it was a tool to get over the rule by the mullahs. Uh, Here's what Ali Reza said in that article. We might temporarily resort to using guns. As much as it was used during the 1979 Islamic Revolution, this revolution is an insurrection. Against tyranny. Sayed Mohammed Hosseini told Bloomberg journalist Eli Lake how his restart movement began with nonviolent vandalism uh, against the Basij. Uh, and the Basij is the state militia that was deployed to terrorize protesters and keep order during past uprisings. Uh, here's what Hosseini said We started with a color protest. We told people to spray colors on the walls of buildings that belonged to the Basij. Which colors, you'd think? It just, just any colors. Any colors. Yeah, just. That's nice. We though. were here there. Yeah. Very open-minded. Yeah. yeah. Light blue. I like a- that one too. 
After this, Hosseini said they moved on to urging uh, Iranians to throw rocks at the windows of government buildings. Here's what he said. Then we said there should be a fire protest. They should burn down government mosques and police stations. All this came in the form of what Restart called challenges, <laughs> according to the website voiceofrestart.com. It's, it's just like, like the, the fucking game. It's like the game show. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it's like literally. Yeah. It's like, and now oh, who man. can light the nearest mosque on fire? <laughs> he, was on, he was on TV giving people wacky challenges to see yeah. if they would do it, and he's still doing that. But I'm for, here. I'm here burning down a mosque. <laughs> right. uh, this is my contribution. I uh, hope you enjoy the fire challenge. Uh, hey, hey, what's up, guys? Um, this is uh, this is Ahmed. Um, <laughs> I just uh, I threw twelve rocks uh, through the uh, government building standing behind him, and um, I now uh, challenge uh, Ricky, uh, my cousin Mike, um, and my mom and dad um, to do the uh, rocks through the window challenge. <laughs> so uh, first, Hosseini posted a booklet with instructions on personal health, uh, telling followers to quit smoking and begin working out. He then instructed them to use... Bodes, bodes very well for not becoming a fascist regime later, right? <laughs> He's already trying to tell you to exercise and fucking not smoke. It's like, wait, we're not even... Mm. You got to smoke if you're a resistance fighter. Fuck That's yeah. part of the whole fucking mystique. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you dumbass. I mean, you, I mean I've, I've, I've heard from you know legitimate sources that you can't even fire a gun if yeah. you don't have a, a, a burning ciggy just dangling yeah. from your lips. Yeah, we've learned everything that we know about war and Judge Dredd. <laughs> great movie by the way both the original and the reboot definitely an actual comic book that was better than both um yeah it never took the time to read like uh <laughs> with mostly everything uh watched watched though watched and listened yeah he then instructed them all to use aliases and to not be in groups of more than two so that if they were arrested and tortured they wouldn't know anyone else's name so they're all anons basically mm-hmm mm. In May of 2017, uh, Hosseini issued the paintball challenge. Uh, the people were instructed to mark government buildings as targets of the people by throwing paintballs at them and tagging them with spray paint. Uh, next was the noise bomb challenge. Followers of Restart were instructed to set off fireworks at 9 p.m. on June 6, 2017 as a symbolic call for freedom okay but like is this is the thing that's happening i mean yeah. this, the, I, the government I mean, actually has to interact with this yeah or? well yeah they 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 do this and then they 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 post it on social media but it's yeah. a thing yeah like because but that has the government has it made a dent or is it just them posting their shit no no i mean i don't i i couldn't see any real evidence yeah. that the government of iran like really gives a shit and is like cr- yeah. cracking down on them or anything like that yeah. this is, seems like a minor sort of noisy movement it's mm-hmm. you know, i think they're <laughs> yeah you know I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that this is genius uh, yeah. to disguise a revolution as a series of online challenges. Mm. I mean, fuck, I think that, uh, you know, both political parties could. Uh, well, I mean, well, I think one probably does does it more already than the others. But both political parties could learn from uh, this kind of tactic. Mm-hmm. Um, then came the challenge of wisdom which called upon Iranian celebrities to discuss the problems of the regime. But that flopped after none of the celebrities replied. Oh, no. So soon after came the swearing challenge, where Restart followers were challenged to harshly speak out against members of the regime and Iranian celebrities on social media. So posting and memeing, basically, was this challenge. Oh, it is very (laughs) QAnon. It is. Anons posting and memeing and sort of making a lot of noise, making themselves heard, basically. Yeah, Yeah, like drawing QAnon on, on something here and there. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a, yeah, there was also that was uh, the next challenge was the rock challenge. Uh, this was followers wrote restart on rocks and then threw them through the windows of government buildings. Oh, you know, um, hmm. this is a very confused IT solution. Uh. And it continued to escalate. In October of 2017, Sayed Mohammed Hosseini issued the fire challenge. Uh, this challenge was to burn down besieged facilities and banks. But he also gave explicit instructions to not harm any living thing in this particular instance. <laughs> but, but not with the throwing of the rock. <laughs> if your rock kills somebody, it's okay. So, I mean, there's really no denying that, like, you know, the current Iran regime is not great. I can understand why uh, Iranians would want something different. But still, it's very strange that an exile living in America is inspiring a bunch of arson and vandalism in Iran with, for a movement with these very poorly defined goals. Mm. Um, in one recorded message, uh, Hosseini actually threatened that if revolutionary guards and besieged forces remain in the streets during a protest, his supporters would kill or set fire to 120 members of the guards and their families. So he is... Threatening, threatening death, basically, yeah. to people in Iran like the, these, from the comforts of Anaheim. These guys make uh, Juan Guaido look, uh, you know, uh, yeah. very effective. This actually has led to some people to ask the U.S. government to step in. For example, Reza Nasri, an international law expert from Geneva's Graduate Institute of International and Development Studies, called for Hosseini's arrest in a tweet thread in 2018. Uh, here's what he said. A U.S. resident named Sayed Mohammed Hosseini, leader of a cult called Restart, has instructed his followers in Iran to kill the wives and children of Iranian security forces and upload videos of the killings. He has instructed his followers to kill 120 people, for starters. <laughs> Good place to start. For starters. Mr. Hosseini and his terrorist org are to be taken seriously since they have already claimed responsibility for numerous acts of arson and vandalism across 50 cities in Iran. Hosseini has proudly put on display the photos and video clips of the operations in his TV show. Whoa, so they do ops. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, I love the, a good the op. challenges are like they're like ops. This yeah. is high. This is high effort posting. This is some real. Yes. This is. Yeah. But but it comes from like one guy who just tells people what to do and they follow through. Well, that's all the good movements in the world. Uh, the U.S. government and its Justice Department have a legal obligation, both under international law and U.S. law, to neutralize, arrest, and convict this U.S.-based individual and his criminal-slash-terrorist network. Mr. Hosseini has been instructing and inciting his followers to commit acts of violence in Iran for several months now. It is puzzling that the U.S. government has not already taken action. This time, he is openly calling for the murder of women and children. Q and the Restart movement have a few things in common, and that they're both these, these online-based, sort of cultish, fringe, populist movements. Uh, they also seem primarily focused on making people aware of their existence. So uh, somewhere along the line, Restart followers started using the QAnon hashtag and the fiery Q symbol. And people associated with Restart began taking photographs of themselves with signs that said QAnon. So... That's really the, the connection. It's like the restart sort of hopped on the coattails of QAnon yeah. to draw attention to their own movement. They're like, oh, oh you QAnon people, you like uh, populist online movements? Hey, hey, we got one too. So, uh, you know, re uh, make Iran great again. 
Yeah. In, in all Another seri- perfect example of how uh, this podcast will never not be relevant at this point because the world is slowly dissolving into nothingness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting to see how QAnon is already, I mean, just, you know, it's not even that long after its initial conception, but it's already sort of becoming this faceless uh, sort of... Yeah. Um, just like kind of like archetypal uh, image of revolution and resistance and all that Wait, stuff. Th- this guy's in Anaheim. We yes, could, we could go and interview. We this could. Guy. We could. He, we should organize an interview we with should. this guy. Let's do it. That would be fucking amazing. I would like. I would really enjoy doing that. We'd have to get a translator. He doesn't speak English. I have. Re- I, I've watched. I've watched his uh, his his interviews with Infowars. Um, so. That, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, they just went Infowars. They just went to his place. I'm sure if we express interest, okay. If you're an if it. you're an Iranian person uh, or someone who speaks uh, both both Persian, Farsi, uh, and English, and you're in the kind of California area, you know, uh, get in touch. QAnonAnonymous at gmail.com. I think I'm probably gonna sit this interview out just because I have a feeling. <laughs> I have a feeling that afterwards I'm going to say something and, and you know, mm. the, ne- the, Start, new, the new yeah. challenge will be like uh, throw rocks at Jake Rockatansky's yeah. face. Oh, yeah. I like that challenge. Uh, throw rocks directly at his genitalia. Yeah. Write Julian on the rock. And then... <laughs> <laughs> So just to summarize what we've learned today, an exiled Iranian game show host who currently lives near Disneyland and occasionally appears on Infowars is promoting violent action in Iran as part of an opposition movement associated with QAnon. Wait, so he and, ab- and appears, people are doing it. Yeah, he appears on Infowars with a translator. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. In, his, in his interviews, they Alex uh, props, man. Yeah, yeah, I know. Really, they get it's a bit of a globalist move. Yeah, yeah I know, kind of. They, yeah, <laughs> they even they hire a voiceover person to uh, talk over what he's saying yeah. so that people can understand. But yeah, they get a translator. Yeah, they hire Sasha Baron Cohen to do the voiceover. <laughs> right. <laughs> a freelance journalist interviews Zach Rakatansky. So to give you guys a little bit of context here, um, we received an email by someone who, uh, you know, used a a name. I won't actually name him on the podcast, I decided, um, in case that is that person's real name. But let's put it this way. They spelled between the name of the person whose email account it was and the, you know, exact email address, the same name, last name supposedly of this person was spelled uh, slightly differently. So, you know, immediately I knew that we... Um, we're dealing with potentially someone who was not, in fact, a serious journalist. Uh, nonetheless, our intern, Zach Rokotansky, uh, sometimes he goes by Jack. He, he's a bit of a confused guy from the South or something, but also you can't really place his accent. It's pretty bad, to be, to be honest. But uh, yeah, he, he, answered, um, he answered by calling this guy up, you know, and uh, there was a couple of different conversations, and uh, here was the first. Hello? Hello, is this... Uh, Freelance reporting? Yeah. Hi, this is um, Jack Rokotansky from the QAnon Anonymous podcast. I'm sorry. I'm, I I think I've got a bad signal. Is this Jake or Zach? Uh, Jack, yeah. Do you... Uh, I'm sorry. I don't have my notes with me today. I wasn't really expecting a call. Um, so I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Now, are, have you ever been arrested? Ah. <laughs> uh, Oh, uh, yeah, one, 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 once or twice. Okay, what was it for? 
uh, well, uh, it's a friend of mine that, um, told me uh, that they were mids, but they're, um, they're turned out to be a little bit of um, crack cocaine in the mids, so it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> it was a drug charge? Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so you guys are out, based out in California? Uh, sh- uh, Chicago. Oh, Chicago. Okay. So, how long were you locked up? Oh, uh, uh, um, six and a half months. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, are any of the hosts in legal trouble? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Some um, Michael Avenatti uh, contacted us. Is uh, representing um, Bryant Krasenstein, but so is threatened. A little bit legal action. <laughs> okay, but nobody's been arrested. No, it's just uh, thre- he's threatening. All right, well, that's that's really all I needed. Um, <laughs> not too much. I-, I was surprised to hear you've been arrested. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, v- painful. Okay, but you've turned your life around? Oh, no, I just hope it doesn't happen again. <laughs> uh, some stuff might happen. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, uh, I appreciate your time. I, I I didn't want to take up too much time, um, and uh, just try to stay out of trouble. Yeah. Well, where we go, one we go uh, all, and um, uh, you know, uh, home of the deep dish. All right. That's good to hear. <laughs> so that uh, was the first call between Zach and um, our friend. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like I love that he starts right out of the gate. Have you been arrested? I'm not I gonna mean, lie, I edited out some boring stuff before, but there was there was only like two questions. Before. It was barely right. hidden. It was that right, blatant. Right. It was so clearly like a vague thing you didn't care about, and then he got very excited uh, when you know a potential record. He's like uh, criminal record. Hey, um, is there you get any any information? Um, got any dirt on you yourself can, that you can give me to you know? Potentially help uh, the people who put me up to this uh, <laughs> to, to dox you. Right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know that was the first call. I mean, after that, obviously, um, Zach, uh, you know, felt a bit of a longing for this this beautiful reporter. You know that he'd met so briefly, but so beautifully. And so the reporter asked um, that Zach get back in touch with him, and this is what happened. This isn't like a gotcha interview. I'm not trying to trick you or embarrass you. Um, if you feel uncomfortable, you can say at any time, this is going too far. Mm-hmm. Or you could say, um, I've had enough. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you can also at any time say, I'd like to go on background or this is off the record. How do you know the three of you know each other? Is it from work, uh, school, or? Um, met, uh, uh, through... Um common friend like uh, um okay. uh, he's called uh andre uh, is a uh last name i think uh tarkovsky okay um what kind of guests do you like to invite on journalists uh pe- people mockingbird media yeah. it's okay true. it's true have you ever been accused of being a part of the deep state <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah <laughs> okay um, this can be off the record, but are you part of the deep state? 
Mm, we we get some contact. Um, some contact. Yeah. Okay, I, I'll keep this off the record. But can you tell me any more? Yeah, um, uh, through the, um, uh, you know, um, George, George uh, um, and uh, some some of his George. assistants and and such. Like George Soros. Mm, yeah, 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 him. Okay. Wow. I guess I never thought I would meet somebody connected to him. Um, again, that's off the record. Nice guy, nice guy. Uh, yeah, keep okay. keep this off the record, please. Yeah, I will. You have my word, and I said that from the beginning. Um, and, and obviously, trying to get my name out there, I, I don't want to violate ethics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, if, if I were to publish this, it would it would cause a crazy breakdown, probably. And how long? I know you met through your friend. How long ago did you guys meet? Uh, it was uh, about a year ago. Uh, with, uh, actually, uh, I was uh, with uh, Andre um, at IKEA parking lot uh, near entrance, uh, you know, of the zone and. Um, but you know, I I I don't like Andre. I don't really talk to him anymore. He's kind of a stalker. <laughs> okay. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it gets me in trouble. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Will you keep going now that you is potentially done? I think he posted this week, but. Uh, maybe, maybe not. It depends. Well, we might be reassigned. Um, you know, d- deep state. Um, I mean, uh, no. Uh, uh, sorry, I was off the record, please. Uh, but George, um, off the record, uh, some uh, George might uh, be in touch. There's different um, things, you know, to focus on. Okay, so he gives you like projects and stuff. Yeah, it's um, so, yeah, something like that. Okay, but you can't really get into specifics. Oh, I, I can if it's off the record. Yeah, yeah. I, this is off the record. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. He tells us, uh, you know, uh, organize uh, botnets, um, do uh, harassment campaigns, uh, send uh, funny gifts, uh, memes, post memes, lots of memes every day, uh, and um, to the different accounts. Okay, that sounds that sounds like something I would expect, actually. Oh yeah. Uh, so. Why? Why? Well. Well, I know he's into social engineering. Oh, yeah. And but it's off the record, please. He, yeah, it's off the record. You're not, you're, not a co- you're not a cop, are you? No, no. Oh. No. Okay. Uh, you, uh, you got my, 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 my home number, so yeah. uh, if I were calling you from a private ID, you might have greater suspicion. Um, but no, George is into social engineering. Oh, yeah? And... And we'll pit, you know, class versus class, race versus race, whatever mm. demographic. Mm. So, but he's uh, uh, he's a Jew- Jewish guy. Yeah, he is. He is. And, and but I don't know what that has, I don't know what that has to do with anything. To be honest, I'm not. I'm not in trying to call you out. I'm just saying, I don't know what that has to do with anything. Oh, uh, the uh, chosen people. <laughs> yeah, but. I mean, we could get in the back and forth. I don't think he's a real Jew. 
Oh, what, what do you what do you mean? What do you mean? That's interesting. Off the record. Well, I think he's a cultural Jew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he will use he will use that to his advantage, mm. and and the media will protect him because they'll say, "Well, you can't you can't be you know talking bad about this Jew." And uh, I, I just think he. <laughs> I think he hides behind his religion. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but uh, that's that's just between you and me. I, I I'd rather not let that cause tension. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, it's okay off the record. Uh, you know, I trust you. You do more than just the podcast. Again, I won't mention that. This is yeah, yeah. Right but the, you know, lots of different activities over the side. I, I've seen things you you people wouldn't believe. Really? Yeah, attack ships on fire every, every, off the shoulders of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near Tannhauser Gate. All, all those moments now are going to be lost in time like tears in rain. Time to die. <laughs> I, I have to uh, be honest. I don't understand what you just said. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's uh, my friend um, Harrison. Uh, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a Blade Runner. Okay. <laughs> I'll pretend I know what you just said, but I don't. I, it just hard like, to understand. Yeah. Okay. All right. We can go back to you know cultural Jews. <laughs> well, yeah, religion it, it just causes a lot of tension. So let's let's stay off that. Topic okay. Okay. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Stay off. Stay off. I don't want to. I don't. You know, want to insult you, and I don't want you to insult me. Yeah, we're everyone podcast uh, Jewish. Uh, we have one Muslim. Wow, that's an odd combination. Yeah, we love each other. Was that you know uh, um, uh, how you say it when it's uh, the entire globe? We love each other. You know, global global love. So you're really into this like one world religion thing? Yeah, one government. Okay, so the new world order then. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well that that makes sense, given what I just heard. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I feel like I could blow the lid off something, but I told you I do this on background. No, it's um, all off record, please. Okay. If you do change your mind, let me know. But what we'll continue off. Pretend I didn't hear any of that. Okay. Um, what do you see as the future for the podcast? Um, uh, well, um, you know, uh, we want uh, want to be in touch with. Um, there's a few few people. Got a friend uh, Mike Rothschild, and he um, he's friends with uh, you know big bigger politicians, uh, Hillary a bit, and uh, sometimes Obama call, calls him. So we have bigger projects to work, you know, with uh, Democratic Party and stuff. Hello, hello, yeah, we're working with Democratic Party. <laughs> okay, so you're looking to like swing an election? Well, we want to be you know m- much larger than we are now and help you know. I I gotta admit this sounds a what you're doing sounds unethical. It may not be illegal. No, it's not illegal, you know, because the the laws are made by by these people too. <laughs> but the aim you're doing your part to get to the new world order. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely doing our part. So 
that Christ. was wow. You know, Zach. Um, I don't know. I'm just glad he's there to represent our podcast and to make sure that people understand like what we're up to. <laughs> yeah, geez. yeah. I like my God. That guy is like thoroughly red pilled. Uh huh. Just a hundred percent bought into the 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 secret. We got into like the you know, the the secret. You know, was it pretend Jew stuff? Oh, cultural Jew. Cultural Jew. This yeah. is exactly. Mm-hmm. He's hitting all the beats. Yeah. Everything. He brought it all up himself. I said George. <laughs> he said George Soros. Yeah. He brought up the New World Order. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, my, my I mean, this, this poor guy is probably like in his, you know, apartment being like, oh man, I've got the story of a century here. <laughs> yeah, and he's you like, could tell every time he'd get more information, he was like, oh man. He's like, finally. Wow. I'm going to blow the lid. I could blow the lid off this stuff. God, I want to know what, what, he's, what, who he's watching, what media he's yeah. consuming exactly. He, I know. He asked yeah, right. a couple <laughs> questions uh, specifically about uh, Praying Medic and oh. uh, um, Lisa, May, Lisa, Lisa May Crowley. Lisa May Crowley. He asked yeah. about both of them. Those were the only two he brought up. There was another part of the interview that I cut out where he, he was uh, asking about um, our connections to Q influencers and stuff. So, Yeah. Jesus. Just a good, it's a good barometer for the mental health of the youth yeah. uh, in this country that want to become a journalist uh, yeah. one day, you know? This guy, this guy has, by the way, didn't know anything about any of this, and then he started listening to us, and now that's how he is. So, good job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Reporting from the UK, Annie Kelly. Hi guys, it's your UK reporter Annie here. Today I wanted to give you a report on the far-right connections and shady dealings of Nigel Farage and the Brexit party, because it's looking increasingly likely we're going to have a general election soon, and if these guys come anywhere close to actual power, I fully intend to use this recording in my claim for political asylum. Nigel Farage rose to prominence as the leader of a hard Eurosceptic nationalist political party called the UK Independence Party, or UKIP for short, who he represents in the European Parliament. While UKIP has dabbled in other policy platforms like drastic tax cuts, strict limits on immigration and climate change denial, its main focus has always been on ending the UK's membership in the European Union. Farage was very much a favourite of the British media, despite his party's limited relevance outside of the EU Parliament. At the time of recording this segment, he has been a member of the panel on the BBC's Question Time 33 times, which is a record number of appearances for a guest who isn't a member of Parliament. Farage has not been picky with where to show his face, however. He's also done several lengthy interviews with our friends across the pond at InfoWars. The Globalist Project and the European Union is the prototype for the new world order. Between this and a widely held understanding that anyone with a posh accent who's rude to people is a charismatic genius, he has become something of a celebrity politician. During the run-up to the ill-advised referendum on whether Britain should leave the EU in 2016, Farage, unsurprisingly, became one of the most prominent voices of the Vote Leave campaign, despite its official figureheads wanting very little to do with him. UKIP's singular branding strategy, scapegoating all of the country's economic problems caused by the Conservative government on immigrants, translated very well. Perhaps the most famous example being when Farage stood in front of a poster showing a long line of mostly non-white migrants and refugees with the words, breaking point, the EU has failed us all, in capital letters over it. A senior Labour politician, Yvette Cooper, would later say that Farage's inflammatory rhetoric during the referendum campaign was a contributory factor to a significant rise in hate crimes against immigrants and Muslim citizens. 
The narrow win of the Leave vote came as a surprise to most people, including Farage, who still didn't miss an opportunity to gloat in a speech to the European Parliament. Isn't it funny? You know, when I came here 17 years ago and I said that I wanted to lead a campaign to get Britain to leave the European Union, you all laughed at me. Well, I have to say, you're not laughing now. Despite the tough talk, the Brexit victory actually represented a tension for Farage and UKIP. He and his party's entire reason for existing had been to make the case for leaving the EU. Now that it seemed the UK actually would, Farage risked becoming redundant. Less than two weeks after the referendum result, he abruptly resigned from his position as leader of UKIP and was soon pictured on the stage in the United States with the then-presidential nominee Trump at CPAC, who introduced him as Mr Brexit. We reach those people who have never voted in their lives, but believe by going out and voting for Brexit, they could take back control of their country, take back control of their borders, and get back their pride and self-respect. This trip, it has been alleged by a Channel 4 investigation, was all funded by British millionaire Aaron Banks, an accusation that, if true, would be illegal as undeclared income under EU law. The official EU investigation into this remains ongoing. But Farage's connections don't stop there. He has had long-term links with Breitbart editor and one-time White House chief strategist Steve Bannon. And together they discuss the idea of leading a global alliance of populist and far-right politicians, which would be called the movement. Other politicians discussed being potentially included were Hungary's far-right prime minister, Viktor Orban, and Rodrigo Duterte the president of the Philippines, who has repeatedly admitted to extrajudicial killings. The movement was at least officially defanged by the left-wing newspaper The Guardian's investigation that found that many of their various target parties would be breaking their country's election laws by accepting any of the initiative's assistance. Possibly disillusioned with Bannon's grand ideas of a pan-European nationalist renaissance, or at least its potential for launching a lucrative new career, Farage switched branding strategies. Citing the growing anti-Muslim extremism of UKIP under new leadership, he announced in December of last year that he was leaving the party. Farage's sudden objection to right-wing extremism might have seemed a little late, given his previous statements to Alex Jones that left-wingers in Europe were allied with radical Islam and want to abolish the nation-state. They want to abolish the nation-state. They want to get rid of it. But shortly, all was revealed. In January 2019, the new single issue, Farage-backed Brexit Party, was announced. For those of you getting confused about the difference between all these Eurosceptic parties in the UK by now, you're not alone. But just think UKIP again, but with a bit more plausible deniability and all those unsavoury far-right connections. This, at least at first, did seem to be the plan. Although many UKIP MEPs transferred over with Farage, the party branded itself as a broad tent, uniting various ideologies under the pro-Brexit banner, with several more mainstream right and centrist candidates attracted by the brand. A small hiccup in this plan did arise when Catherine Blakelock, the party's official leader, was forced to resign after her deleted Twitter account was uncovered, which included retweets from British neo-Nazis like Mark Collett and posts like, Islam equals submission mostly to raping men, it seems. By now, everyone felt sorry for Farage and his incredibly bad luck, and so to make him feel better, he was announced as the Brexit Party's new leader. In the UK European elections held this year, 
The Brexit party won 29 seats, making it not just the party to come first nationally, but also the biggest single party in the ninth European Parliament. UKIP, Farage's former party, sadly did not fare so well, and despite a bold strategy of appealing to the long-disenfranchised racist teenage gamer community, won no seats. Since then, Farage has announced that the Brexit party will run for Parliament in the UK general election too, and in the likely event of a hung Parliament, meaning no party has enough seats to form a government, has confirmed he would be willing to form a coalition with the Conservatives. The Conservatives at the time of recording remain leaderless, but will likely be led by Boris Johnson, another friend of Steve Bannon. With these two in charge and Bannon behind the scenes, I am very confident that they can turn the UK into the isolated, privatised, ultra-capitalist, ethno-nationalist hellscape they always dreamed of. So that's been the good news from your friends in Great Britain. Thanks for listening, and until next time. And now, a tale of action and revenge with Jake Rokotansky. I don't want to give too much of an intro here. I will say that this is by far the longest story that I've ever written for the QAnon Anonymous podcast. And um, I think I'll just let it speak for itself. So without further ado, I bring you Taken 5. <laughs> Brian Mills checked his watch. He was going to be late again. God damn it, he said, clapping his palm against the worn leather steering wheel. It was one of those days where nothing had gone his way. Lately, that seemed like every day. A week earlier, he had been let go from his security gig. Some young rapper who had gotten famous on the internet. Mills hadn't mourned it. The kid didn't need him, and certainly didn't want him. Some washed-up ex-marine still struggling to pay his energy bill on time? Come on. And now, on top of it all, he was 30 minutes late to his daughter's dissertation. Mills slid his old Chevy into a spot at an empty meter in front of the lecture hall. His brakes squealed as the pickup truck came to a stop. He killed the engine, grabbed a worn sport coat from the back seat, and bolted out of the car and up the wide stone staircase. Once inside, Brian quickly shuffled himself behind the last row of seats. The audience was packed, at least a thousand people, listening intently as a young woman stood on stage speaking at a podium. Brian locked eyes with her and gave her a warm but embarrassed wave. She flashed him a quick smile and continued with her speech. And so, in conclusion, both the United States and the country of Iran have much to learn from one another. Through the amazing ideas of micro-investing, we have an exciting opportunity to majorly invest in the communities that need it the most. Thank you. Brian beamed from ear to ear. He began to clap heartily, and the audience soon joined in. Backstage, he waited with a handful of other well-dressed attendees. Brian stood nervously, waiting for his daughter to emerge from the speaker's dressing room. She did, and immediately noticed him standing with other parents and friends. Dad, she called out. Kim, the two embraced. You came, Brian glanced down at his shoes. I'm sorry I'm late, honey. I, I missed the whole thing. It's okay, smiled Kim. It's good to see you. Brian grinned sheepishly. You really nailed the ending, he joked. Kim laughed and they hugged again. An older woman's voice seemed to appear out of nowhere. Congratulations, sweetheart. You were fantastic. Thanks, Mom. Brian spun around. His ex-wife drifted past him like a ghost and wrapped her arms around Kim. We're so proud of you. Brian, hands clasped firmly behind his back, gave a polite nod. Hello, Lenny. Lenore turned to face Brian hesitatingly. Hello, Brian. He fumbled for something to say, anything. That's a nice jacket. Is it new? Lenore glanced down at the sleek tan coat draped over her shoulders. It is. Thank you. A man wearing a sleek navy sports coat with a full head of jet black hair sauntered over to them. Sorry, I was moving the car. 
Congratulations, sweetheart. The man leaned in and gave Kim a kiss on the cheek. Brian could feel his blood pressure rising. The man turned to face him and extended his hand. Brian, right? Hey, Richard. Brian slowly reached out and shook the man's hand. Nice to meet you. Some dynamite kid you guys raised, huh? He reached over and playfully rubbed Kim's head. Sure is, Brian said, as he imagined gouging the man's <laughs> eyes out with his thumbs. But Richard had long since forgotten Brian even existed. I'm double parked. Are you guys ready to go get dessert? The girls both nodded excitedly. As they started to leave, Kim suddenly turned towards her father. Do you want to come with? It broke Brian's heart. They both knew he wasn't welcome, but she asked him anyway, and Brian appreciated it. Just behind her, he could see Lenore and Richard waiting for him to decline. Oh, you guys go ahead. Some other time. Kim nodded and began to head towards the exit. Brian watched her go at first and then called after her. Kim! Yeah? Maybe next weekend uh, you could come over and we could, I don't know, throw the basketball around uh, like old times. Kim's face fell a little bit. I'd love to, but next week I'll be out of the country. Brian's ears perked up a little bit. Out of the country? He asked. Well, Mom didn't tell you. Uh, Richard set me up with a client of his in Iran. He wants me to present the business model I created at his conference. Can you believe it? Richard smiled and nodded in a disaffected sort of way. Despite his best efforts, Brian couldn't mask his concern. Iran? Are you traveling alone? Kimmy, it's dangerous. Come on, Dad. I've been kidnapped twice in five years. I think I can handle myself. Richard, now clearly in a hurry, stepped in and placed a hand on Kim's shoulder. She'll be well taken care of. My guys over there are the real deal. I promise you, we'll get her back for that game of basketball, safe and sound. Brian locked eyes with Richard. The guy was a prick, that was for sure. But could he be trusted? Brian wasn't sure, and that meant no. Outside the building, rain had begun to pour. Brian pulled his jacket up over his head and jogged to where he parked the Chevy. A soaked red and white piece of paper was tucked neatly under the windshield wiper. He angrily snatched it and crumpled it in his hand before entering the truck, starting the engine, and taking off down the rain-slicked road. The following week was uneventful. Brian kept himself busy. A concert security gig took up most of his nights, followed by frozen TV dinners and a six-pack of beer. One night, the phone rang. Brian shot up from the kitchen table, walked over to the living room, and picked up the phone off the receiver. Hello? At first, silence. Hello? A soft voice answered. Brian, it's me. Brian was worried. Lenny, is everything all right? Y yes, everything's fine. I just... I was calling to let you know Kim's conference is being broadcast right now. Channel 61, in case you wanted to watch. Brian's eyes lit up. I do. I, I do. There was a long pause on the other end of the line. Thanks for letting me know. You're welcome. Richard's voice could be heard talking softly in the background, but Brian couldn't make out what he was saying. All right, we're gonna watch. Good night. Click. The call ended. Good night. Brian sat there a beat, still holding the pale green telephone in his hand. He then snapped to, jogged over to the couch, and flipped on the modestly sized television in the center of the wall. He entered the channel. <laughs> he entered the channel info and leaned forward on the couch. The program was C-SPAN-like coverage of the investors' conference. A few people dressed in suits milled about in front of a podium. People in the audience took their seats. Brian pointed excitedly to the screen. There she is! He shouted alone in the middle of his one-bedroom apartment. He beamed with pride. Kim looked so professional and grown up it made him feel like he was a thousand years old. They had been through a lot together. She began to speak. A handful of audience members murmured audibly as they came late to their seats. Quiet! Quiet! Brian shouted at the TV. Kim spoke. Good evening. 
My name is Kimberly Mills, and first, I would like to say how grateful I am to be able to experience this beautiful country with my own eyes. Brian watched, a look of horror on his face as Kim took a couple steps back from the podium. Everyone in the audience looked confused as to what the sounds were, but Brian knew exactly what they were. Five, five, six automatic rounds, likely from an M4 or a Mini 14. The screen flashed and exploded. All PUBG weapons! All PUBG weapons! Fuck. God damn it. The screen flashed and an explosion distorted both the picture and audio. Brian leaped up from the couch, his hands clasped over his mouth as he watched two men wearing balaclavas and Kevlar body armor make their way down the aisles of the convention center, firing indiscriminately into the crowd. Amidst the chaos, Brian could see two other men storm the stage, throwing a dark hood over his daughter's head and quickly shoving her into the wings. Not again, Brian yelled. He collapsed to his knees on the stained carpet and sat there, motionless. And then, something snapped inside of him. He stood up from the floor quickly and calmly and walked over to the bedroom closet. He tossed a handful of clothes on hangers onto his threadbare mattress and released a small panel at the back of the closet, a black suitcase. Brian placed it on the bed and opened it. Inside were an assortment of passports, stacks of bills in various currencies, and a Glock 14 with two loaded magazines. His phone rang. Lenny. Lenny! Jesus, are you alright? I know. I watched. I know. I'm going to get her. Leave that to me. Listen, call the FBI, tell them everything you know, and tell Richard I need a flight to Iran yesterday. Do it. There's a brief pause in the conversation. And Lenny, I'll get her back. Again. <laughs> Brian hung up the phone. He reached back into the closet, grabbed a small suitcase, and threw it onto the center of the bed. He quickly began stuffing clothes into it. His phone rang again. He picked it up, annoyed. Lenny, I told you, call the FBI. Dad! Kimmy? Brian could hear her muffled sobs on the other end. Are you okay? Have they hurt you? No, I'm okay. They threw me in the trunk. I don't know where I am. Brian's eyes darted back and forth, his mind racing. Quickly, honey, and this is very important. Do you remember them saying anything? At all? A name? A location? Anything? I could... I could hear a couple of them talking as they were putting me in the trunk. Something about the guns not being real, but one of them mentioned the words false flag. There's a noise in the background. We stopped. They're coming. No! Get off me! The muscles in Brian's neck bulge. Kim! Kim! But it was hopeless. He could hear her kicking and screaming as she was dragged away from the phone. Then silence. There was a sound on the other end of the line. Brian could hear heavy breathing. Whoever it was, they said nothing. Brian gripped the receiver tight to his ear. I don't know who you are, and I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you, I don't have any money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. The breathing on the other end continued. Finally, the voice spoke. Good luck. Click. The phone went dead. Iran, 1400 hours. Brian glanced out the circular window of the Boeing 737 and watched anxiously as the sweeping city of Tehran came into clear view. Within the hour, he was pulling up in a beaten up old taxi cab outside the convention center. 
now quarantined with yellow tape and swarming with local law enforcement. Brian hopped out and approached one of the men guarding the entrance. Excuse me, do you speak English? The man nodded. Good. My daughter, she was taken from here during the attack. I need to speak with whoever's in charge. He produced a small photograph of Kim from his coat pocket and showed it to the guard. My daughter, Kimberly, please. The man nodded again and pointed in the direction of an officer just inside the convention center doors. Thank you, Brian said, and took off towards the man. As he approached, two nearby guards raised their hands, signaling for Mills to leave the area. Brian raised the photograph. I'm Brian Mills, Kimberly Mills' father. I need information. Mr. Mills, the man said, we do things differently here in Iran. Please understand we are doing everything in our power to find your daughter. It won't be fast enough. She'll be gone. Trust me. I've been through this twice, possibly three times before, <laughs> Brian yelled. I understand your concern, but my men are the best in all of Tehran. If your daughter is still alive, we will find her. He turned back to his fellow officers, leaving Brian standing there like a fool. Without warning, a quick sweep of Brian's right leg had the officer on his back. Brian braced as the two other cops charged. Effortlessly, Brian yanked one of the guard's arms, pulling him face first into the ground, his jaw splintering into four pieces. The second guard was on him. He landed a solid hook to Brian's face, but he shook it off before landing two well-placed jabs of his own. The man staggered back, quickly wiping the blood away from his nose. Before he could recover, Brian flew across the floor, landing a solid kick in the man's chest, catapulting him backwards into a coffee table, shattering it. The men writhed on the ground, groaning. Mills placed a foot on the officer's neck. Tell me everything you know. Okay, please, I can't breathe. Brian loosened his foot just enough so the officer could speak. Two men, VIPs, they checked into the Russian embassy four days ago. Who are they? Brian growled. We don't know, heavy security, Americans, the officer gurgled. How do you know they're involved, said Brian, the heel of his boot pressing harder on the man's throat. They're on camera, casing the convention center. Don't have an angle on their faces, though. Fine, that'll do. Brian released his foot and the officer rolled over onto his side, massaging his neck. But you didn't hear it from me, the officer called after Brian as he exited the convention center. He quickly walked down the steps and past the police barricades and slid into an open taxi cab parked out front to the Russian embassy. Russian embassy. 1700 hours. Brian Mills cautiously approached the Russian embassy. Without drawing attention, he managed to slip in through a side door close to the street. After ducking by two patrolling guards on the ground level, Brian crept up a long rounded staircase to the second floor. He scanned the hallway. He could hear a woman's voice. Her muffled gasps were emanating from one of the rooms. Kim, Brian whispered. He hugged the far wall, making his way down the hallway where one of the doors was slightly ajar. He inched closer. Through the small crack in the door, Brian could make out a young woman dressed in a nightgown. She appeared to be urinating onto a bed in the corner of the room. What the hell was going on? As Brian scanned the room, he noticed a fat, wrinkly man with a wispy blonde hair standing, watching the act, his tiny hands placed firmly on his hips. Hey, this is a restricted area. Brian spun around. A man in a suit wearing an earpiece was standing just a few feet away, his gun trained on Brian. Get your hands up, now! Brian stood up slowly, arms in the air. He smiled meekly at the man as if to say, You got me. The guard approached him, preparing to take him into custody. With a flash, Brian used his forearm to strike the man's wrist. The gun slipped out of the man's hand and began to tumble towards the carpet. The guard looked down, and to his surprise, Brian was holding his weapon, pointing it right back at him. Wait, the guard whispered. Brian pulled the trigger, plugging a single round at the guard's stomach. 
As he tumbled backwards, Brian squeezed another round off, this time catching the guard in the forehead and painting the wall with his brains. Shots fired! Shots fired! Brian could hear the other guards echoing down the hallway. He quickly grabbed the two additional magazines off the guard's now lifeless body and held them in his open hand. Something caught his eye. The man's badge was hanging just inside his suit coat pocket. Secret Service? What the hell are they doing here? Brian whispered under his breath. He quietly ducked into a nearby doorframe, just deep enough to keep him hidden from the guards running down the hallway. Brian waited. Three feet away, the guard he'd killed was creating a large puddle of blood, drenching the carpet around him. He hugged the wall. Two guards ran past, and as they did, with one single fluid motion, Brian leaned out, took aim, and put a bullet in the back of each of their heads. He watched as they dropped like bags of sand. After grabbing their ammunition, Brian took off down the hall. He swung into a stairway, running smack dab into another Secret Service member. Both were caught off guard. Brian wasted no time slamming his hand into the man's nose, shattering it into a thousand pieces. Brian lunged him, pinning him up against the staircase wall. The man made a feeble attempt to break free, but was so disoriented from the intense pain, he had no choice but to watch in horror as Brian Mills slowly shoved the broken pieces of his nose up into his brain, killing him instantly. At the top of the stairs, Brian heaved himself through two heavy double doors and into a large suite. It was richly decorated with lavish furnishings. A number of gift baskets were strewn about. In the center of the room, two dim-looking men sat, totally terrified. D don't kill us! One of them gasped. Brian squinted his eyes. Wait a minute. I know you. The guys looked somewhat embarrassed. You're the president's children, aren't you? The guy's shoulders slumped. I'm Eric. The ugly one said. I'm Don Jr. The dumb one said. <laughs> Before they had even gotten the words out, Brian fired two rounds into each one of their dicks. They howled in pain, <laughs> collapsing to the floor. <laughs> two shots per dick, huh? Four shot total. Just doing the math. Double tap their dicks. <laughs> I'm going to ask you once, and I won't ask you again. Where is my daughter? Brian produced the photograph and shoved it in the boys' faces. We don't know! Eric yelled, tears streaming down his face. Well, perhaps, Brian reached over and grabbed an expensive lamp off an expensive side table <laughs> and in one fluid motion smashed it against the floor, exposing the burning hot electrodes inside the bulb. He held it to Eric's throat, the wires sizzling and popping. Okay, okay, I'll tell you! Brian swung the jagged weapon in Don Jr.'s direction, nearly slicing his cheek. I'm listening. It wasn't our idea, okay, man? Don't tell him, Donnie! Shut up, Eric! Look, dude, we never meant to make your daughter cry. I apologize a trillion times. Jared wanted her out of the picture. She was cutting into a piece of his pie, man. Encouraging investors to give their money to poor people. It's ludicrous! Wham! John Jr.'s head snapped back like a rubber band as Brian's fist punched through most of his teeth. Tell me where I can find Jared, Brian said calmly. <laughs> but Don Jr. was on the brink of blacking out. Brian raised his fist again, but Eric called out. You're too late. She's already gone. Brian slowly let go of Don Jr.'s collar as he slumped over to the side with a groan. What did you say? She's gone. Jared sold her a couple hours ago. To who? Brian yelled. To Barack Obama. <laughs> Brian's head reeled. That can't be. Don Jr. lifted his head and spat some blood and broken teeth onto the carpet. It's true. He, he runs like a human trafficking ring with Oprah. Oprah from television? <laughs> Brian asked. <laughs> Oprah from television, man. They're, they're on a boat headed for Dubai. If you can get down to the docks, you might be able to catch him. Sorry, dude. And with that, he passed out.
but Brian was already out the door. Port of Tehran, 2200 hours. Brian watched as the large ship sat docked at the long cement pier. He waited until two guards wearing ski masks and carrying AK-47s left their post for a smoke before he ascended a steep wooden ramp and onto the boat. What he saw inside disgusted him. The boat was one giant orgy, drugged out women and rich kings and pharmaceutical executives, all engaging in the most foul debauchery Brian Mills had ever seen. People were wearing strange goat-like costumes and performing weird seances and blood rituals. They were so focused on these heinous acts that Brian slipped by unnoticed. He ducked down a small staircase and led to a large double door. He opened it. Dad! Kim's tear-stained face lit up with relief as her father charged into the room. Standing behind her, totally caught off guard, was the former president of the United States of America, Barack Obama. In one hand, a lit cigarette. In the other, an ornate, bejeweled knife. Brian raised his pistol and trained it directly at Obama's head. Drop the knife and let her go. You don't have to die today. Obama calmly took a drag off his cigarette. I don't have to die, but you do. And just like that, a large woman in full traditional Iranian garb cartwheeled out from behind a door. <laughs> it was Oprah Winfrey. She stood, ready to pounce, just a couple feet away from Brian, brandishing two large swords. <laughs> Oprah charged Brian. At the last second, he raised his handgun to steal from the slide, just barely blocking the edge of her blades. The sound of metal on metal pierced Brian's ears. His gun flew out of his hand. Oprah sprung backwards, pointing her blades at Brian's chest, grinning and cackling. You get to die, and you get to die, and you get to die. She began to twirl her blades in a furious kata, preparing to make the killing blow. Brian inched backwards, hands up in surrender, but Oprah was closing in on him. Dad, Kim whimpered. I'm sorry, sweetheart, whispered Brian. Blam! Oprah's head exploded in a supernova of brains and bone. She dropped to the floor. Dead. Again, Travis is. He knows we're in trouble. Men in heavy body armor and night vision goggles stormed the room. A startled Barack Obama jumped back, his hands high in the air. The soldiers swarmed him, wrestling him to the ground and zip tying his wrists. Clear! Target apprehended! Nice job, Q team. The soldier looked down at a totally bewildered Brian Mills. Maybe Lenny had gotten a hold of the FBI after all. The soldier removed his goggles and face mask. Brian Mills! Nice to make your acquaintance. Name's Tillerson. Rex Tillerson. And this is Q-Team. The other soldiers removed their headgear. Brian recognized these men. They were older, white. All had served in the current administration. There was Jeff Sessions, Rod <laughs> Rosenstein, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders. But, but how, how did you know? Oh, we set up the whole thing, Tillerson replied. We've been tracking these bastards for months now. The convention, the kidnapping, we staged it all. He glanced over at the former president, hands tied, face pressed against the floor, and this motherfucker fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. But, but what about those two slime balls, Eric and, and Don Jr., were they in on it too? Tillerson shook his head. Negative. Less than ten people know. He glanced at Brian and Kim. Well, less than twelve now, I suppose. He flashed a dry smile at them before turning and heading towards the door. Take them away, boys. And somebody call Gitmo. Let them know they got dinner guests. Brian and Kim locked themselves in a tight embrace. It's over. Hopefully. For a little while, at least. <laughs> Till the next movie. <laughs> Kim looked up, her hand on her dad's face. I knew you'd come for me, she exclaimed. 
I always do, Brian smiled. They sat there, rocking slowly back and forth as the dark waves beneath the boat pushed ever steadily against its hull, smashed to black. It's a very gorgeous tale. It reminds me of a lot of like Neruda's longer epic poems. Um, Definitely what I was drawing inspiration from, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good job uh, throwing in Oprah's head exploding, so uh, so no one can be accused us of uh, endorsing partisan violence or anything like that. Yeah, it's true. So, <laughs> what yeah. happened to Oprah was way worse than what happened to the two boys. Yeah. Also, yeah. good job getting us into a position where violence is being described on people currently being protected by the Secret Service. That, <laughs> yeah, that's, that is... Um, yeah. That's, uh, you know, yeah. it's all parody. I uh, think our, our, our next, our next, like, kind of phone, like, funny phone call will be a little <laughs> from the Secret Service agent. Great, yeah. uh, guys. I'm, it's really just, uh, you know, all, all in the sake of satire. Uh, no violence is actually being wished upon anybody. No, here, uh, you know, allegedly. But, but when you tell stories uh, from within the Q universe, I mean, you yeah. know, it's hard to portray it accurately uh, without a couple heads exploding uh, and a couple teeth getting broken. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, some torture. You've been listening to the QAnon Anonymous podcast. It's the top of the month, and you know what that means. It's time to thank our incredibly generous higher-tier supporters. On the 20-buck level, thank you to... None Dare Call It Ordinary, Andrew T., Chris M., Chinchy, Brant F., Joel H., Derek T., Joel D., Seb Gorkasm, Luke B. We cannot tell you how grateful we are that you believe in us enough to support us this way. Thank you. Thank you. Next up on the 10 buck level, we'd like to thank A.W., Cody M., Dylan Y., Meredith A., James O., Owen H., Jamie, QT, and big, uh, big apology for not using the correct name. So last time or whatever. Uh, but yes, to emphasize, QT, are you embarrassed yet? QT, thank you specifically. Everybody um, bully her now in Discord. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, thank you very much, QT. Uh, Sabir, of course. Josh R., John S., Eric O., Bully With. We got Steven C., we got David C., we've got Erze, Jack R., Spencer D., Phil Mac U., Mike, Sandra, Fragment or Fraggy as she goes in the Discord. Alan G, James and Molly, Joseph G, Toon Army MIA, Adam A, Benjamin, Doug S, and of course Q loves cake farts. You are all amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, if you signed up for our regular five bucks subscription, don't feel left out. We thank you for your service and for all of your support. Our Twitters are at QAnon Anonymous, uh, at Travis underscore View, at Julian Field, and at Real Rakotansky. We don't run any advertising on the show, mostly because we don't like corporations telling us what to do. Instead of that bullshit, we use a straightforward $5 monthly subscription system, and for that amount, you will get access to a second weekly episode alongside all the ones we've already recorded. You can visit patreon.com slash QAnonAnonymous to support us. This allows us to be self-sustainable, and honestly, for that, we are incredibly grateful. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy, it's fact. And now, today's auto cue. The Iranian regime is the one who attacks. So in case of any war, everyone is defending themselves. 
And if there is war between Iran and America, we will definitely support America. Restart opposition has millions of supporters, and the IR regime and the Iranian people know it well. Moreover, we have more than 90,000 special guards and Sirius Empire soldiers inside the country. And what we want, if that's your specific question, the restart opposition wants to change the regime of Iran and rebuild Iran from the beginning and substitute the current constitution with the constitution that is extracted from the American constitution, the Sirius constitution, words of Plato, Rumi, Sufism, and mysticism. So we want this regime to go and the Sirius empire to come. In one sentence, our goal is to restart Iran and establish Persia. Persia